Our Three Cents is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. For more information, please go to greenlitpodcasts.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Three Cents, a podcast celebrating the very finest video games. My name is Jonathan Dunn and I'm joined by my childhood friend Christopher Dow. Shake it like a Polaroid picture. And my adulthood friend Minty Boo. Where are you? And we are discussing our all-time top 100 favourite video games. Announcement! Announcement! Before we dive into this episode, we would love to issue your usual reminders of all the other platforms we are currently occupying in this this world. Uh, First of all, we have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash our3cents. If you're enjoying what we're doing with the podcast, you fancy supporting us even more, and you fancy getting, like, loads more out of us then that's a great place to head over to there's loads of different tiers that you can pledge various different amounts of money to and there's just so many perks including our most recent full patreon exclusive bonus episode which we recorded with the legendary tj davis who's the vocalist behind the soundtracks of sonic r and metropolis street racer It is a fantastic bonus episode. It is available exclusively to our Patreon subscribers. You know what? Let's let's roll a little clip. Let's roll. Let's can we can we roll a little clip? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. (laughs) Working with Sega in the late nineties, that was like the biggest Sega ever really got. What was it like being brought into the industry by Richard Jakes, the composer? Richard said, "I don't know where this is going to go, but I've been asked to do these songs. I've got a demo here." of a song called Supersonic Racing. <laughs> and I listened and I thought, wow, that's that's fast. <laughs> I started it up and my wife came downstairs and said, are you just running? <laughs> <laughs> Immediate thoughts, the Sonic art is hilarious. <laughs> so if you don't want to miss out on hearing that full episode, loads of other episodes, deleted scenes, outtakes, custom artwork, bonus video content, access to the Patreon-exclusive Discord channel, head over to patreon.com slash r3cents and pledge away. So, this week we are talking about Chris's sixth favourite video game of all time! Number six! I can't wait, but we're all going to have to wait because we've got to get back to the quiz. And you know what? Thank you to everybody who's sent words of support for this new format of the quiz. I am having a great time devising it, so I'm glad that that people are enjoying listening to it. Hopefully you guys are enjoying participating in it, and uh, hopefully this round won't be the odd one out. As long as it's not a minty landslide, I'll be fine. (laughs) I promise nothing. Quiz! currently minty has a four point lead so let's see whether or not chris can just get your ass in gear come on come on this round is inspired once again by a round from richard osmond's house of games the round in question is games house of oh no okay i'm going to give you a series of questions the answers to all these questions are the titles of video games. So what's the catch? I'll tell you what the catch is. You have to give me the answer in alphabetical order. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so if I were to say, what is the best video games podcast? Your answer would be... Sense Hour 3. There we go. 
Bodes well for you, Chris. Okay. Oh, this, this is this is going to be horrendous. <laughs> right, right. I want it. I'm listening. I'm focused. Question one. What classic 80s arcade game sees you trying to rescue your girlfriend from Baron Von Blubber in the Cave of Monsters? Oh. Uh, uh, it's Bobble Bubble. Correct. That is one point to Chris. Well done. <laughs> he's doing it. He's only, he's only, <laughs> only doing it. Okay. 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 Question two. What was the psychological horror game developed by Silicon Knights and released on the GameCube in 2002? Darkness Eternal. Darkness Eternal Requiem Sanity. Oh, fuck. Minty has the point. Yeah. I forgot I had a subtitle. Question three. In which game would you find levels with titles such as these? Labyrinth. Scrap Brain. Spring Yard. Hedgehog Sonic The? That is the correct answer. Oh, God. Question four. Which harrowing survival game is brought to life in stark, monochromatic pencil strokes and sees you try to outlast the surrounding conflict? Amnesia Dark Descent The? That is incorrect. Oh, um, is it Neverending Nightmares? No. That is not the answer. Neither of you get the point. The answer is, of course, mine of this war, or this war of mine. Question five. What was the game that forever expanded Nintendo's flagship action-adventure series with its stunning open-world design? (laughs) Breath Legend of of the Wild Zelda. I'm afraid that is incorrect. No! (laughs) So, Breath... Legend of of Wild Zelda? No, I missed out the. Unfortunately, neither of oh. you are correct. The answer is, of course, Breath Legend of of the the Wild oh, Zelda. Oh, fuck. To oh, the. God. Yeah. That is brutal. You'll be pleased to know, though, Chris, because you have actually clawed a point back. Because you've oh. got two points there to Minty's one. So oh. Minty is now on 60 points, and Chris is on... 57. My lucky number. All to play for. All to play for. So, what have we been playing in this last week? Well, actually, for us, it's been two weeks since last these three witches met. No, that's not how it goes. I don't know. Whatever it is. Double, double, toil and trouble. Chris, what have you played this uh, last fortnight? (laughs) (laughs) A seamless link. Firstly, because everyone I'm I'm sure is desperate to know, a brief Genshin update from me. Hang on, let me just get my Switch. (laughs) the, The native PlayStation 5 version is out now. My save migrated across without any issue at all. The game is now slightly smoother, slightly sharper. But as I said before, the PlayStation 4 game running on the PS5 was already essentially 60 frames a second and 4K. So it wasn't really a necessary upgrade, especially because when it first came out, it ran worse. Like the PS5 version, when it first launched earlier this week, was in a worse state than the PS4 version. It was fixed within a day or two, but still, it was it was really strange to kind of be excited to see what it was going to be like as this fresh lick of paint, and then it be identical, but also worse. But either way, that, that's done. It's, you know... It's slightly smoother, I think, overall. I think far-off detail is slightly increased, but either way, it is essentially the same game. After probably, I don't know, 30 hours of play now, the the game has opened up its own version of sort of the the Fortnite-style battle pass, which essentially just rewards you for for doing in-game tasks over a set period of time Mm. that you can then pay a fee to kind of 
get double the rewards as as it were yeah but i still i still kind of feel fine with this like i've not paid anything into it at all yet i haven't put any money into this game at all and it doesn't feel like it's it's gated in any way that perhaps if i was like more towards the end game i suppose if if i'd done a lot of the the kind of main quest stuff maybe i'd feel more of a push to want to make my characters better so i would i would appreciate having double the resources and items but at the moment i'm still just picking up story missions i'm still hunting named enemies i'm still completing daily commissions they're called just like missions that that roll each day um i'm still expanding the map like there's there's just so much to do and providing you're not dead set on owning every character or weapon it is genuinely free in in a way that there is no point that it says you have to stop today son unless you give us a fiver it's just (laughs) just go on just keep on going like i've had to self-isolate from everyone that over the last week because a a student at my school tested positive and for one of those days i I essentially played this game for five or six hours straight (laughs) and I don't normally do that with many games, let alone one that is meant to be a free-to-play game. Yeah. And and I remember, I can't remember the, the title of the, the game, but something I played on my iPhone years ago was, you know, a free-to-play RPG in inverted commas. And that whole thing was like, you do a quest, and then it's like, well, you've only got three gems left, and it costs a gem to do a quest, and they take eight hours to refresh, and it had that sort of system. Yeah. And and Genshin just, it doesn't work like that. So I'm I'm still really impressed at how it's built and how they're clearly making a lot of money from it but not so far in a way that feels that grubby to me personally. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's lots of things and criticisms people can make about the model, but for what it is, I, I have enjoyed it. Secondly, I wanted to make mention of a gift I received for my birthday Ooh. from a certain Jonathan A. Dunn. Oh, that wanker. And that I've now spent a few weeks with. Uh, I had mentioned in our, our little Discord chat, which you could be a part of as a Patreon subscriber <laughs> that I was keen to pick up the Korg gadget. It's sort of like a, an application come game that lets you use a variety of digitized versions of Korg synthesizers to make music. It had a limited release in the US, like a physical release by Binding of Isaac publishers, Nicholas. And I, I was always just a bit put off by the cost to import because I, I didn't know how much I would use it. Like I really was keen to try it but I didn't know if it would grab me enough to kind of justify the import cost. And then, lo and behold, come April the 8th, my birthday, I wrapped a lovely little package <laughs> that included the game, a little little Mega Drive pin badge, some little sweeties <laughs> and other bits and pieces. And it also, obviously, you know, leading up to this idea, it had this core gadget inside it. And since then, it has been my, my go-to time killer on the Switch, like in between doing other stuff. Aww. And it's it's a really lovely application, I suppose, more than a game that it is, it's incredibly full featured. Like it's, it's a full suite of, of synths. They range from like bass modules or drum pads or, or polyphonic doodads for melodies and chords. There's there's loads of nice little touches that kind of ground it as a a video game inspired package as well. So there's a, there's a wonderful synth that includes that replicates NES era 8-bit sound chips. There is um, a piece of paid DLC that lets you use samples from a range of Sega arcade machines like Space Harrier and Outrun so good. that I bought, as you say, faster than bullets leave guns. <laughs> like it's, it's just, it's been a lot of fun to mess around with. And once you get used to kind of the way the, the menus are kind of nested together to work on a pad, the interface gives you total control to, to either sequence patterns like note by note or play live using the touch screen on kind of the little touch keyboards. All of your inputs can then be tweaked entirely. So that's everything down to the velocity of a note, uh, how it's filtered or EQ'd, the attack, the decay, like all the nerdy music stuff you could want is all here. 
And and best of all, the output of the thing sounds great. Mm. Like nothing is kind of downsampled to a way that you'd go, oh, it's been made on a Switch, hasn't it? it? You know, put a pair of headphones on, it's a full featured suite for making music. Yeah. And you could make professional sounding tracks using your Switch. And I'm not there yet, <laughs> but I have made a few that are like musical sketches I'm quite proud of. And I'm keen at some point to record a few of these little loops that I could then like take to the studio and rehearse live drums over. I think that'd be a really fun sort of thing to do for me to, to just make like a looping synth that I could just drum over and see what it sounded like. You know, it might be good, might be shit, <laughs> but either way, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the gadget that's kind of this lovely tool that facilitates a certain type of creativity, which I've, I've really been enjoying. It's just something very different that I wouldn't have necessarily dip my toes into, I guess, if, if I hadn't had the opportunity to. So thank you very much for that, Jonathan. A, a lovely birthday gift. You're very, very welcome. I, I've been tempted to pick it up myself, actually. It, it does, it's, yeah, like you said, I, I've been really, really impressed with with uh, with just just the, the little amount, you know, you've uh, you've shared with us of, of what you've sort of, of put together in it. Yeah, it looks really, really good fun. And like you said, like the, it's like the authenticity of those sound packages is really, really good. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, really good. The last thing I've been playing is a real like left field choice. I picked up The Sims on the PlayStation 2. Now I well, <laughs> I picked I picked this up for a couple pounds when shops reopened a few weeks back. It was like my first time out of the house in God knows how long and it was just I wanted to buy something. You can tell you need to practice a little bit at your uh, <laughs> just at shopping. But I mean I I picked up this game in particular because I I knew I knew that Georgia had never played it as the the Sims aficionado. She's always just played it on the PC. And the PS2 one was kind of a strange sort of spin-off or, or sort of port of the original Sims game. It advanced the series in some way, like it was polygonal for the first time. It had a story mode for the first time. So it, it was the same, but different, I guess. And, and then it had obvious restrictions because it was on a console rather than a, than a big PC. But we, we've been playing an hour here and there to try and get our character creatively named Colin Pooh Farting through every stage of his life. Brilliant. So we, we've moved out of his mum's house. We've renovated a crappy apartment and we're now gearing up to throw a few absolute rages in our new party pad. <laughs> and it's been really fun playing this with Georgia because she's such a relentless micromanager in the Sims. <laughs> Whereas for me, I, I'm always pretty laissez-faire with how I, I would deal with Colin's needs. So I kind of feel like, you know, if he if he pisses his pants, he pisses his pants. But, but Georgia, when she's in control, organises his time with like military precision. And obviously on, on the PC with a bigger screen, you always have kind of the needs of the sim at the bottom of the screen. On the PlayStation 2, because it didn't have the resolution, you have to press a button to see that menu. And if I'm holding the pad playing, she's constantly leaning over to tap the button to see what I'm not attending to. <laughs> we, we've also had playing this game what very well could have been our first genuine falling out in the time we've been together. And that's because I, I was I was insistent on placing much of Colin's expensive decor that Georgia had saved up for with just mounted blue marlins on all the walls <laughs> that, I, that I thought would be really funny. Um, but she did not find that amusing. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it is fun. It's a clunky game. It's not a patch on the PC version, but I think to play it in this context with someone that's put so much time into The Sims as a as a franchise mm. uh, has made it just a really enjoyable thing to kind of sit and, and do together in the evenings. So yeah, I'll, I'll let you know how Colin Poofarting's doing uh, next week if if he's ascended any further in in his life. Exactly. Hopefully, he hasn't turned into Colin Poo shat himself to death. 
<laughs> the big news from my last two weeks of gaming is that I've, I've, I hundred percented uh, the Binding of Isaac Afterbirth Plus, Unbelievable. which is mental. <laughs> Absolutely unreal. I think the point I left it in the podcast last was I, there were two items I needed to get and I was using, I ended up using two totally different methods of essentially breaking the game <laughs> uh, with various item combinations to re-roll the uh, the secret room item indefinitely uh, and generate infinite money in greed mode was the other way I did it. And so I managed to get the last two items I needed to get. And then I needed to get the five nights at mum's achievement, which is getting a win streak of five wins, but using five different characters for each run. And I went with the, uh, the classic lineup of uh, the Lost, then Judas, then Cain, then Isaac, then Azazel and um, and it was it was really good fun. It was really good fun. It, it wasn't there was there was one moment where I got down to like half a half a heart. I think it was only on my Judas run, only on the second run. So it wouldn't have been the end of the world if I'd have died at that point. But uh, but I did manage to do that all in kind of you know sort of my first go, and that's it. Hundred percent, three hundred and thirty-five hours of playtime on this save file. That's not including like the six, seven hundred hours I put into Rebirth and obviously my first Afterbirth Plus save file. I mean, I was I was reminded of that quote, you know, about Alexander the Great who who wept when he realised that there were no more worlds to conquer, and, and I, I felt strangely lost without like a Binding of Isaac objective in my head. So now I'm I'm, I'm looking forward more than ever to Repentance coming out on the Switch later in the year. So to fill that void, I, I decided to, to to mop up a bit of admin in terms of revisiting some games. It's not often I get sold on a game on like its title alone. Like I remember when I bought that Endless Runner game where you play uh, as a little anthropomorphic egg. Uh, the game was called Runny Egg. And I was like, well, I'm buying that. That's just brilliant. <laughs> I only played it for about probably not even 10 minutes but i did put a bit more time into turnip boy commits tax evasion which i got uh on the switch which uh, <laughs> i saw that the other day i saw it the title good fun. like you play as turnip boy who's an anthropomorphic turnip who's actually a bit of a dick even though he's like incredibly adorable he's not a dick just because he's i mean yeah he's committing tax evasion but he, he just constantly subverts the expectations that he's like this cutesy little children's cartoon character I mean, the game's basically like a top-down Zelda-style game, but if you stripped away all of Zelda and just had the trading sequence elements, uh, and very basic sort of um, very basic combat, and then it's just wrapped up in loads of fruit and veg puns. It was it was quite delightful. I mean, it made me chuckle several times. And it's a surprisingly good story that that took some unexpected turns, some nice little puzzles, some good bosses, including a secret final final boss, which is great. It was a, yeah, it was a solid little game. It didn't outstay its welcome. In order to do the final, final boss, you have to have, like, essentially 100%ed the rest of it. Uh, and there was a while, it took me a while to sort of mop up the, some of the some of the trading things I hadn't done, which was a, a little bit arduous. But the game basically gives you hints on where to get, where to do all those things. So it wasn't hard. It was just like, I just wish you could run a little faster. But then you are only a turnip. But that was okay. <laughs> Then I thought I'd return to Murder by Numbers, that like '90s narrative style oh, yeah. um, Picross game. Because I, I seem to remember there's there's like three cases, uh, like three stories essentially you play through in the game. And I hadn't done the third one. I was like, oh, I fancy doing some Picross. I thought I'll jump back in. I'll do that. I, to be honest, I just skipped all the story stuff because I just wanted to do the Picross. I wasn't that bad. I thought I'd just tick this off. <laughs> so I sped through all of it. I, I I sort of got wind of 
the gist of the story or whatever but i did some great pick cross puzzles and i finished that case then i realized there were actually four cases i was like oh i, I didn't i didn't want to do any more pick cross at that point so i put that down and then i rebought because it was on sale the messenger which i played on xbox game pass and was raving about several several weeks back and i just yeah i was it was on sale i was like not only am i gonna buy it and play it i'm gonna buy it for you two to play as well and i uh, i look forward to hearing what you guys make of it because i mean i'm having a fantastic time playing through it again it's still making me laugh just as much even though like I, you know i've seen like the jokes and the, the brilliant dialogue it's still incredibly fun to play i'm enjoying that just dipping in and out of it then i thought i'd uh, I'd, I'd pick up something on um ps5 and I turned to The Pathless, Ooh. which is a game that I, I bought on your recommendation, Chris. Not because you played it and recommended <laughs> it, but you said Annapurna released it and Annapurna don't release shit. So I was like, oh, I'll get that. And and I didn't realise that it's made by the guy that made Journey. I forget sometimes that people move on from companies. Yeah. You know, and I see like that game company that made Journey and, and Flow and stuff like that. They did Sky, that fairly mediocre game on on iPhone. You know, I didn't realise that the guy who was responsible for Journey, the director, the creator, had moved on to form Giant Squid. And he'd made a game called Abzu and now The Pathless on PS5. And it's fantastic. It really is. It's brilliant. It's It's so lovely. It's so artful. It's so clean. And, I mean, I think if there was one word to describe his games, I think it would be smooth. Mm. It's just silky, smooth experiences. Like, The Pathless raises it above anything that I'd I'd played of his before, because the combat in it is absolutely outstanding. Like, most of the game is just exploration, puzzle solving. You're left very much just to explore. You don't have a, a compass, a map, or, like, navigation markers... So you you basically you are lost. You've just got to explore, and you can use some like a sense, so you can get a vague sense that there is something in that area over there, over that mountain or whatever that's you know sort of pulsating a different color. You think okay, I'm going to go and investigate, but everything else is just yeah. You just explore, and it's brilliant until you do boss fights. And my God, the boss fights are incredible. Like, I, I would have happily played the whole game without any combat at all. Like, it's a really, really clever movement system whereby basically scattered over this entire island are these beacons. And you can shoot these beacons with your bow. If you hit it with your bow, you get a speed boost. There's different, like, coloured ones do slightly different things. One of them gives you, like, a bigger boost. One of them boosts you up. And once you get into this rhythm of, like, drawing a bow, running, sliding, jumping, gliding, you've got an eagle as well, that's, like, a big thing, so you can glide with him. I haven't played anything that feels like that. It's like somebody mixed Journey with Breath of the Wild and with, I don't know, something else entirely. It's just it's just gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. It's a stunning game, absolutely wonderful to play. And like I said, the boss fights, they are as good as anything that, Nintendo's done in Zelda uh, just just incredible I, ca- I cannot recommend it highly enough I need to actually play it <laughs> I need to just mm. find the time to play it it's uh yeah and I, I was thrilled to then go back and play Abzu which I, I had sitting on my PlayStation and then when I realized you know the connection between this guy and Journey I was like well I, I literally as soon as I finished the pathless I loaded up Abzu and played played through all of it because it's only like 
I don't know, a couple of hours, something like that. And absolutely very, it feels very much like Journey, but underwater. And it, again, it's just, it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. It's got the same composer doing the soundtrack, Austin Wintry. He's a good boy, isn't he? He's so good. <laughs> I mean, everything in Abzu is just beautiful. It feels like, again, silky smooth. It makes you feel like you can fly, even though you're underwater. <laughs> but it's just, it's just so fluid. And like, everything is so alive and organic. And the fish and the surroundings and everything just, it's just, it just sweeps you up. And... Because, I mean, the game, I don't even know what you, you... don't really do anything in the game. There's a couple of sort of puzzle-type things, but it's basically just an experience, and it's beautiful and stunning. And, yeah, again, I can't recommend Abzu highly enough. And it got me totally in the mood for what has dominated the last couple of days of my playtime, which is Pokemon Snap. <laughs> Seamless. It really is. They might as well be the same game. <laughs> Seriously, like there's an underwater uh, environment you go through in Pokemon Snap and that feels like Abzu. Ooh. I'm not going to talk about it right now because I believe, Minty, you've put some time into it. About half an hour. <laughs> in which case, I'm going to say this. It's the return of a, an adjective I haven't used for a few weeks. It is the most joyous video game experience I've had in a... In, I mean, I've had a lot of joyous experiences in video games recently and in my life but this is everything i wanted it to be it's a wonderful experience hopefully the two of you will get the chance to put some time into that over the next week and we can uh, touch base on it uh, in the next mm. episode yeah very soon hopefully but minty how about you what have you played in the last week or two smatterings of a couple of games like like i just said i've done about half an hour of pokemon snap Mm. Uh, really great so far enjoying it very much don't really care about any of the story just let me get in my pod and go and take photos of pokemon i don't care about um todd coming back oh i thought that was quite nice though todd todd snap is that his name todd snappington todd todd snapsworth or something (laughs) yeah not 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 hugely bothered about that i just it's it's like the pokemon the pokemon movie and detective pikachu easily could have done without um ryan reynolds um being a pikachu in a in just a, a gussied up buddy cop movie let's have more of the pokemon just in, integrated into daily life mm. the machamp who directs traffic uh, and all the rest of it that was a nice one the ludicolo running the bar yeah yeah those massive torterra oh yeah were literal mountains that was a sick scene so i'm having a nice time with that at the moment but i haven't done enough about Good. i haven't played enough of it yet to really uh give uh, a thorough opinion on it much like the messenger which I have started playing. I've done the Ooh. first couple of stages. When, when it comes to this sort of game, I always feel like I'm missing a trick because I don't know... I never know what's like a bottomless pit <laughs> or what's like a... Secret area. A secret area. And I'm yeah. I, I'm always... I'm, I'm, I'm on autopilot. Like, go right to, to win. <laughs> and I, oh, I could have jumped. I'm, I probably could have jumped in that hole. I bet there was something in there. So I've done the first two stages... But I'm pretty sure there's already stuff that I've missed. However, I did enjoy the uh, the, the cabinet in the shopkeeper's <laughs> shop. That 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 was fun. Um, I did chicken out um, when he mentioned the thing in the cage underneath the blanket. I was like, okay, that's enough for me. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, nice dialogue, really nice, um, really nice gameplay as well. 
yeah, really enjoying that. Good. But the main game that I've been playing this week is one that I got in the Nintendo eShop indie sale as one that me and my wife could play together because she loves playing point-and-click games on the iPad and we'll be watching TV and she'll she'll whip out the iPad and just sort of potter around, like poking at things. And it always intrigues me. I always like looking over and uh, being like, oh, what's that? You you need some help with this puzzle? You need a help with your puzzle? Always shot down, despite the fact that I'm incredibly clever and good-looking. <laughs> and modest. <laughs> so I thought... Why don't I? Why don't I see? If there's a point-and-click game that we could enjoy on the Switch, that we could enjoy on the TV and play together. So I got uh, Nairi Tower of Shirin by a Dutch indie developer called Homebear Studio. Oh, it's nice. It's uh, it's it's hand-drawn characters, uh, hand-drawn backgrounds, and all the rest of it. You play as. Uh, the I guess the disembodied hand of Nairi, a girl who has been snuck out of a house by her her tutor after her upper class parents were kidnapped in some sort of I guess military coup. Uh, I don't really know. And then you 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 make friends with the bandits that uh, that stole the crate that you got smuggled out of the city on, and then they take you to the other side of the city so that you can work your way back up to find out what happened on that fateful night and all the rest of it all the while re- realizing that you are you are some sort of i don't know some sort of person of spiritual importance let's say for, uh, not to give too many spoilers away because it's a it's it's one of those really nice narrative games i have to say i got it because i thought it's going to be absolutely pissing with puzzles <laughs> we're gonna be we're gonna be picking up shovels uh, like twigs <laughs> little bits of rope all the rest of it fashioning them into uh, halberds and all uh, and, and and this that and the other to come up with esoteric uh, solutions to esoteric puzzles but unfortunately it well unfortunately for my wife who prefers the puzzle element i've never seen somebody skip through cutscenes with with, with the fervor <laughs> that she does. I don't need to care about these guys. That's it. That's what she says. <laughs> what she says. It's exactly what she sounds like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately for her, it is more heavily weighted towards the, the story, the dialogue, the characters, but not, unfortunately, the characters and the story and the dialogue are really, really nice. It's there. It's it's just a really lovely game to play. It's like reading a good book that's designed like a children's book. The story, the narrative, it's um it's 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 fairly weighty, it's fairly meaty, but pretty pictures. Some of the characters are life-size animals that are people and it's lovely. However, we finished it after about 8 hours and I think it's the first part of a series because it ended so abruptly we got whiplash oh, no. uh, i think i think we just gotten into the like the base of the uh, the titular tower of shirin we had just unlocked some hidden potential done some wild wild puzzles which were actually really good and really really worked with the the geography the setting of uh, of this tower really really well but yeah, then it just stopped. We we had no answers to any of the things that were built up in the story, and 
while we had a, a, a real a, a really good sense of um, who all the characters were and what their motivations were, that was just that was it. It was like okay, I've I've I've, eat, I've eaten the bread, but now can I have the rest of the sandwich, which is the filling? <laughs> it was, you know, it, it, it's nourishing and it, it'll keep you alive, but it's not what's written on the packet in Tesco's, is it? No, no. Don't put bread plus prawn mayo. There's there's so much more, and there's so much more to enjoy. I feel, but apparently the sequel is coming out sometime this year, so we're oh. going to be looking forward to that. But yes, it's it's. I think it's it's three quid on the eShop. Pick it up. It's like eight hours of good fun. It's 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 very nice. I I I do recommend it. Lovely. Bonza. Speaking of recommending things, Chris. Hello. If someone were to say to you, look, I've played five brilliant games, but I'm looking for something else. <laughs> what would you say their sixth favourite video game of all time should be? <laughs> That's how it works. That's how it works. <laughs> it's, it's scientifically proven. Mm-hmm. Right. Look, little question that you don't need to answer. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, it's kind of okay. rhetorical. Just think in your heads. How often does a video game teach you a properly transferable skill? Like, you might play a puzzle game, which stimulates your brain and supports a degree of creative problem solving that could be applied broadly to a real-life situation. You could argue that games that require quick reflexes and quick actions might improve your abilities in tasks that require fine motor skills. You could theoretically, and I mean really theoretically, learn a new language through some kind of total immersion therapy by attempting to play an RPG in a in a non-native language. Or, 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 you could play any of the rock band games or later Guitar Hero entries <laughs> and learn the drums one-to-one to the point that you could tour and record as a drummer in a band like me, Christopher <laughs> Dow. <laughs> now, Amazing. this week I played drums for the first time since mid-December, and that was owing to the most recent phase of lockdown, shutting all non-essential services and retail so the studio i would normally use was just shut for that time but going back in and sitting behind a drum kit for that first time in in about five months i was particularly impressed by two things pertaining to my own drumming one despite my time away from the kit muscle memory's ability to recall things your brain just won't draw upon consciously is incredible i still find muscle memory just (laughs) one of the most incredible things our bodies can do And two, that the genesis of any and all of my drumming skills, like every part of it, come from patterns and rudiments learnt using video games. (laughs) It still blows me away that I am in the position I am today. (laughs) This entry today, a lot of this is kind of a bit of a history lesson. This is essentially detailing my journey through that particular branch of rhythm gaming, the kind of the Guitar Hero started branch of rhythm gaming. And as I've done lots of times, the game I'm using on my entry today is essentially a stand-in for this whole thing. Multiple games, multiple franchises, everything kind of comes together. Back when Harmonix developed Guitar Hero 1 and 2, I was immediately hooked. Like, I'd always loved rhythm games, but this was something very, very different. Because, no, I wasn't playing a real guitar, but the way that the licensed songs had been transcribed into coloured note charts felt like I was. Like holding a stupid plastic guitar in the in the living room for the first time, it was like, oh, this is this is something different. And to watch Guitar Hero for the first time would feel really silly. Like watching someone else play it for the first time, you'd be like, why are they doing that? What fun are they getting out of this? But to play it for the first time, it strips away all of that disconnect and artifice almost immediately. 
And it genuinely feels like you are the one playing the solo from Bark at the Moon. You are the one who's hitting a full combo in Franz Ferdinand's Take Me Out. You are the one struggling through the rock odyssey Frankenstein by the Edgar Winter group. It's like Guitar Hero makes you feel like you are seriously involved in this music. On my first day playing Guitar Hero, I whacked the difficulty up to expert and decided I was just going to persevere. It would just be a trial by fire to get good at the game. Honestly, the first day, me and my brother were taking it in turns to play it. And I was like, oh, well, I'll do it on easy. I'll do it on normal. I'll do it on hard. I just went all the way up. And obviously, it was a significant step up in difficulty, of course. But being a guitarist in real life, having the note chart better aligned to the rhythm of what I could hear in the guitar parts actually made things a little bit easier at the same time. Like, obviously, there was a period of, of acclimatization. But then after I, I got the hang of it, after I understood how this game worked, I was an expert level Guitar Hero player. You know, I, I five-starred every track in Guitar Hero 1 and 2. I five-starred everything in Guitar Hero Rocks the 80s. I five-starred everything in Guitar Hero Aerosmith, the, the whole series at that point. When harmonics were taken under EA's wing uh, and rumors started to circulate that Rock Band, a rhythm game that would take the Guitar Hero format and apply it to guitar and bass and vocals and drums, I promptly did a little piss in my pants. <laughs> like of, of all the games that I've ever read about or looked at or, or heard of, of all the games that I've coveted in my life, nothing has ever like given me the desire more than Rock Band did. Like the, the, the strength of desire to own a copy of this game and a full instrument set was just unreal. <laughs> now at launch, Rock Band sold for north of 150 quid, I think. Yeah. I was not in a position in my life at the time to spend 150 bones on a plastic drum kit. But after some haggling on eBay, I found a guy who lived in Romford, of all places, who was willing to sell the bundle in the game for £100. Still a lot of money, but at the time I was like, well, I'm, I'm making enough of a saving that I think this is worth doing. And, and that evening when my brother Tom returned from football practice, I convinced him to drive me as I was then without <laughs> a license. He drove me the 150 mile round trip in exchange for half a tank of petrol and some McDonald's chicken nuggets. <laughs> that, is, that is reasonable. Yeah, of course, of course. Now we left Margate just shy of 9pm. And when all was said and done, we returned home by about one-ish, I think, <laughs> with the full plastic suite. And at that point, I was still so excited that fueled by milkshake and, and French fries, probably, I set the game up and I played plastic drums on my crappy little CRT screen until probably two or three in the morning. Like, who knows what mum and dad thought at the time? Who knows what Tom thought? Because he went straight to bed. But, you know, I wanted to experience this game. I wanted to play these plastic drums. I wanted to to just get a feel for what this this was going to be. And and naturally, the same way I did with Guitar Hero, apropos of nothing, I put the difficulty straight on expert <laughs> and just and just relished in my own failure. Because again, there was this change that this wasn't a failure to perform an action in a game anymore. With the drums, this was now the failure to perform on an actual instrument. And and I'd been through that process, like learning real guitar. You know, the first six months of learning guitar is miserable. <laughs> Every day it's like my fingers hurt and everything I'm playing sounds like shit. <laughs> and then eventually it just, it makes sense. You you push through that point and then you you develop like a stronger finger. You develop a callus on the tips and everything else. And suddenly you're you're playing stuff which is reasonable and you, and you start getting better. Now, this is the statement which links all this back to the start of my spiel. That if you can play a song in Rock Band or, or the later Guitar Hero games that started to introduce drums, if you can play any of those songs on expert drums with at least 90 or 95% consistency, you can play that same song when sat behind a drum kit. <laughs> no questions. It's the, it's the same thing. And my sixth favorite video game is actually Rock Band 3. 
Um, for specific reasons that I will mention just a little bit later. But as I mentioned, as, as I've done so often with this list, this entry essentially counts all of the games in the franchise, all of the comparable entries in the Guitar Hero series, all of the spin-offs, all of the, the weekly downloadable content, which harmonics are still pumping out on a weekly basis to this day. <laughs> Rock Band as a thing, as an entity, changed my life in the same way that really committing to play the guitar back when I was 14 changed my life in the same way that completing my teaching qualification changed my life, in the same way that learning to drive changed my life. Like all these things added a real world skill to my belt. At university, when I was heavily into rock band, I played plastic drums almost every day of my second and third year. I'd do a little bit of work, bit of drums, bit of work, bit of drums. Every house party I threw involved rock band. (laughs) At the time, uh, we'd boot up rock band two. That was the entry in the franchise, which kind of sustained me for the duration of my time at uni. And it would just be that I'd put £20 into the Microsoft store and then we'd just go around the room. Anyone was there, we'd choose songs to just buy from the humongous library that Harmonix had cultivated to that point. So that by the time I graduated, I'd probably spent over £1,000 in additional songs for the game. And I, I didn't regret a single penny of it. Because, you know, even if some of the choices people made a few beers deep were probably a bit questionable... <laughs> It was all part of this wonderful experience that, again, I was learning in, in I was learning an instrument. It was cheaper than having lessons. <laughs> now, when I arrived home after university, it was the end of my degree. It was the end of, at that point, the longest relationship I'd had. It was the end of the period of proper independence I'd experienced when living down in Devon. But I had no job. I had no money. I had no immediate prospects off the back of my fine art degree. And as I kind of unloaded all my belongings that had been haphazardly launched into the back of the van coming home to Margate, one of the first things I set up again, and one of the only things I had placed carefully and purposefully into the transit van was my TV, my Xbox 360, my plastic drums, and my copy of of Rock Band 2. And at a time when my whole life felt a little wobbly, there was stability in being able to dip into these familiar songs or in applying myself with focus to learning forever tougher challenges through DLC. And then after a month or two, I I made the plunge and I messaged uh, my good friend, Tim, that I played music with on and off for a number of years and just said, do you want to have a jam and just let me play drums? Mm -hmm. And within six months, we'd written and recorded a record uh, (laughs) under the name Kind Eyes. We would played gigs all over the southeast of England. And I'd probably told the story of how plastic drums and video games taught me how to hit the tubs a hundred (laughs) times over. Now, when Rock Band 3 launched, it wasn't to any particular fanfare. It was the game that I'd already been playing for years at that point, but it had been refined and made better in basically every conceivable way. What it did most crucially was to shift its focus a little bit. So even with Rock Band 2, the game wanted to present itself first and foremost as a game. So the career mode in in Rock Band 2, just like all of the guitar heroes before it, it was that story, you know, asking you to kind of slum it with easy songs first. And then once you'd beaten enough, you'd start to open up progressively more difficult tracks to play and everything else. Whereas in Rock Band 3, the career mode was in essence just a big list, a sprawling list of objectives that melded to offer just a single suggestion. Just go and play, just do what you like. And there's no hoops to jump through. There's no forced runs through repetitive bread and butter stuff like Eye of the Tiger to earn cash or respect or anything else like that. Nothing is locked. And and most pleasingly, the game was content to to just be completely devoid of that tacked on rags to riches narrative that was the backbone of almost every single band-based rhythm game to that point. 
outside of the the consistently charming and, and largely unobtrusive footage that sees your band of customized musicians tuning up or, or chilling out pre or post gig to help cover the console loading in the next song. The game didn't bother you with the idea that you're a band on the rise playing bigger venues. It didn't flash up messages saying, oh, you're getting more fans. You can unlock a tour bus or anything like that, like the other games did. It just said, what do you want to play? And then when you played it, it said, what do you want to play next? <laughs> and, and that was it. And, and Rock Band 3 at that point had become entirely defined by and devoted to its track list. Harmonix knew how much fans like me of this series loved the game. And so in letting the game be defined by that track list, populated in part by the songs that came with Rock Band 3 on the disc itself, but mainly by your completely backwards compatible DLC library, Rock Band was almost defined by and devoted to your own personalised track list, your own library of songs or your own collection. And Rock Band 3, from the first time you boot it up and scanned for compatible content, it's a game that is defined by whatever type of Rock Band player you had become. So for me, out of the box, that meant that this was a game already stuffed with challenging drum parts, it already had progressive rock, mm-hmm. alternative metal, weird 80s pop, internet memes. Like It was all in my library, ready to go. You couldn't go to, to game and, and buy a, a disc off the shelf where the track list would include shoegaze like the band Lush, prog like the band Yes, death metal like Cannibal Corpse, bizarro pop like the B-52s. And yet my copy of Rock Band 3 was exactly like this, <laughs> just ready to go, ready to play. And rather than separating the story or career from quick play, Rock Band 3 just lets you bust out any single track or any run of songs of your choice and immediately be earning fans or, or currency and achievements appropriate to your performance. And then at the song's end, you may have inadvertently satisfied some career goals and made some progress. You might have earned a few in-game badges. Maybe you bested a friend's high score over Xbox Live. Maybe you reached a new milestone within worldwide leaderboard rankings. Whatever you'd done, it was just there on display. No questions asked. Because Harmonix knew at that point and was so switched on that it's just, this is what core fans want and that's what we're going to deliver. Rock Band 3, at that point in the series, almost felt like it had become sentient and granted some kind of terrifyingly exciting omnipresent rule over itself. Because it just felt so geared and tuned perfectly for the intense solo play that I'd really enjoyed, but also for a whole band of players to be in a party setup in seconds. And, and all of this is to ignore the fact that Rock Band 3 made real genre progress as well. So Harmonix pioneered a pro mode in this game, which allowed you to learn note-perfect keyboard parts on a MIDI keyboard, uh, full guitar lines if you had a MIDI guitar, uh, extended drum parts that would have open and closed hi-hat differentiation, double bass pedals if you wanted, extra cymbals, just loads and loads of stuff. And all these things made it just the best rhythm game ever made at that point. Rock Band 3 represented the rhythm action genre essentially kicking away all bells and whistles and just concentrating on offering a totally dynamic title, which did one thing really fucking well. (laughs) And that was saying, how do you want to play a track? And then just catering to that request immediately without any dalliance, without any overt gamification or any sort of confusing and cumbersome menus. But you could pick it up in seconds and be doing exactly what you wanted to do. Now, Rock Band in 2021 isn't dead but it is in a slightly different place, and that is critically, culturally, and financially. Rock Band 3, despite all the praise it received from diehards like me, launched at what was the beginning of the end for the mainstream plastic instrument and peripheral craze. 
So, you know, it, it came out alongside the time when we balance boards and DJ Hero decks and plastic guitars and USB microphones and Wiimote tennis racket attachments. They were all being taken to landfill. And the sales for Rock Band 3 were poor enough that in a very short space of time, EA and MTV Games, which were the, the publishers of all the Rock Band games to that point, they exited their publishing agreements with Harmonix over the title and just essentially left them homeless until the game was re-signed, repressed and re-released by Mad Cats of all companies. You know, at that point, best known for making the crappy third party pads you'd give to your friends when you were playing Pro Evo on the PS2. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, so they, they weren't a badge of quality, but they, they were a company that obviously had, I guess, experience in that kind of peripheral led gameplay and, and wanted to help out with a series I think they really believed in. Now, Despite the commercial failure of 3, Rock Band 4 did launch like a good number of years later, again with Mad Cats in tow, uh, on modern platforms. So the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One both got copies of Rock Band 4. But even for me, like the obsessive at that point, some of the sheen had been lost. And the focus in the game's design had gone perhaps a little bit soft. Things like the pro mode were just cut out completely. DLC slowed down to a trickle. Harmonix, though, to their credit, they spent... I imagine a ludicrous amount of time and money to relicense content so it would be available in the next gen editions and ensured backwards compatibility with almost all last gen controllers, whether they were rock band branded or not. They they even organized with prior license holders to allow disc-based content of previous games to be exported and used in the new game. And at the time, you know, they were just they were bloody good eggs. <laughs> I think Harmonix are one of those teams that really believed in what they were doing. And they put in so much more work than was necessary to try and make Rock Band 4 as good as they could on the budget they had at the time. But for me at that point, with real drums in my life, you know, I'd been playing for a couple of years at that point, the game just didn't have the same draw anymore. I bought an Xbox One to play Halo, Forza Horizon 2 and Rock Band 4. <laughs> and as soon as that final pillar of that triumvirate started to crumble, I, I sold the machine. Like I, I got rid of my Xbox a long, long time ago now. And I haven't played plastic drums for years at this point. And yet the half decade or so where I did play this game daily is such a potent time in my life that I can forgive the team for losing their way a little bit. Like I don't want to consider the hours I've put into Rock Band as a series or the money I pumped into my library. <laughs> Although being truly honest, I'm sure in both cases it would start to rival George's collective Sims bounty. <laughs> and And for that, for being perhaps the only series starting with the original Guitar Hero and ending with Rock Band's later entries. It's the only series I've ever put this much time and energy into. And I have to celebrate Rock Band 3 as, as the crowning jewel in Harmonix's collective oeuvre. Like th this is hopefully my proper, like encore, encore, sort of standing ovation to it as my sixth favourite game of, of all time. Because it's the game that taught me to play drums. And I can't be more thankful than that, really. <laughs> Incredible. I really wish I had any sense of rhythm because I I never played rock band, but I did like playing Guitar Hero. Yeah. When it comes to anything musical, I'm 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 basically disabled, so <laughs> I I did have a great time playing it, but it just didn't have that it didn't have that sticking power for me. But no, the uh, the peripheral games they're really great, aren't they? The viscerality of it, yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if done they're, properly, they're really excellent. Yeah, when they worked, they worked. I mean, I remember the first time I played Guitar Hero, exactly the same as you, Chris. I was like, I, I don't see how on earth I'm gonna get that. I don't understand this. I don't, I can't figure out where my point of reference is for this. 
I can't remember if I was actually if I if I'd learned to play the guitar by that point or not. But then, yeah, within m- minutes of of picking it up, I absolutely I knew what I was doing. I was absolutely into it, and I was actually using my my musical skills that I had in my favour in the game, <laughs> which is is mental. Yeah. It's a- absolutely yeah. mental. I always wanted to get like the full the full like band set up. I, I really wanted because because I'm a, a well I, I play piano mostly that's like my probably my my dominant instrument. I always really wanted the proper MIDI keyboard with Rock Band. Yeah, I think that would have been just yeah. really really good fun. You know, what would be great fun is if we can do little multiplayer three piece band setup of us three jamming out some rock band <laughs> shit let's do That'd it be so much fun these days i don't know if it's now in in the public build but clone hero the uh the guitar hero kind of version that i've, I've spent a lot of time with as well that now supports drums as well oh really and, and i've been i've been really tempted at some point to to get another plastic kit and and set it up again because you know you, you've just got infinite content at that point yeah there is so much out there and such a, a passionate dedicated community that are just trying to make the best build quality instruments out of old bits of shit, essentially. <laughs> you know, p- people people taking old Wii guitars, ripping yeah. out the insides and stuffing like an Arduino board in it. And now it's like, oh, now it's perfect. Or, or replacing all of the buttons with 3D printed stuff that just works 10 times better than it ever did. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really impressive. And talking about this today and feeling as excited as I am <laughs> just to remember my time playing it. That's probably going to be my eBay purchase this evening. <laughs> Just <laughs> f- finding a drum kit to pick up again, and then yeah, getting back into it. It's it's great. I really love it. That's wonderful. You should f- film yourself playing some. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to see it. I'm sure that people listening to this would love to see love to see about that as well. See see the pro at work. And if it's anything like watching you play Tetris, <laughs> it will be. Just disgusting. <laughs> Disgustingly good. <laughs> so there we go. Chris's sixth favourite video game of all time. And it was... Rock Band 3. If you've enjoyed this episode, or if indeed you've enjoyed any of our episodes, please do engage with us on social media. Facebook.com slash Our3Cents. Instagram at O3C Podcast. Go to YouTube, search for Our3Cents on there. You'll find all of our amazing video content. We sometimes stream live on Twitch at O3C Podcast. Or you can take us to task individually. Reach out to us, tell us what you thought about these games, tell us what you're playing, tell us what your top 10 favourite video games of all time are. You can find me on Twitter at Jonathan Dunn. I am still at Chaz underscore Hodges. And I'm Clement underscore Boo. And if you're really enjoying what we're doing, please do head over to patreon.com slash r3cents and consider pledging a few pennies towards what we're doing here and we will reward you with as, as much as we can, including welcoming you with open arms into our exclusive Discord channel, which is just a very nice place to be. <laughs> and please do join us next week where Minty will be telling us all about his sixth favourite video game of all time. You're damn right. And now a word from our sponsor. And now a word from our sponsor. And now a word from our sponsor. In this quarter, on the Greenlit Podcast Network, Chris Sims and Matt Wilson. And in this quarter, VHS oddities, confusing animation, and modern not-so-classics. Plus snacks, movie fighters. We watch movies and beat them up. Spaceships, magic swords, intergalactic empires, dead gods, and creatures from beyond the moon. What mad universe could contain all these fantastic visions? 
What Mad Universe is a bi-weekly podcast delving into the misty origins of sci-fi and fantasy, pop culture and genre tropes. Take a cosmic trip on What Mad Universe podcast on the Greenlit Podcast Network.